Hey, this is Britton from Wage War, and you're listening to Rock Sound Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Rock Sound Podcast, the very first Rock Sound Podcast of 2018. We're back after the Christmas holidays. Hope you guys out there had an absolutely amazing time over the holidays. I'm Will Cross, junior editor at the magazine. Joining me as always, Tamsin Wills, how are you? Hello, I'm good. You're I'm back. refreshed yeah. from the Christmas period. <laughs> had a very nice time, ate a lot of cheese, had a lot of Baileys. Very nice. And Jack Rogers, hello. Alright, Will. Alright. <laughs> Classic for uh, for for good old Jack. How you doing? Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is all right. It's been and gone as always. <laughs> One step closer to the grave, as they say. Festiv- oh, yeah. Festivities over. What a start! Happy New Year, though, eh, everyone? <laughs> right, yeah. Happy New Year, guys. Uh, last normal podcast was uh, December fifteenth. You can check that out on our SoundCloud right now and on iTunes, which was with uh, the Madden Brothers from Good Charlotte. Absolutely incredible stuff. Exclusives from Dennis Stoff about what he's been up to, and also chance Patrick Miranda of Movements. Absolutely brilliant. We also had our special Christmas co-host featuring Patty Waltz of As It Is, Raul Reynolds, and Shikari. James Vett Galodi of Def Havana and Bonnie Fraser of Stand Atlantic absolutely amazing included loads of exclusive loads of fun chat about the 2017 stuff, favourite songs favourite albums all that sort of stuff and what's coming up for those bands in 2018 but now it's all about 2018 so we're going to kick off with something big We've got a Black Veil Brides two-parter. Mr. Andy Beersat back on the podcast and also joined by Christian Coma, drummer of Black Veil Brides. Talk all about their return, their new album, Veil, the time away, the fact that it's been a long time for Black Veil Brides, you know. Andy's had his Andy Black stuff, so so much to talk about. And, you know, the future of the band as well, like what that means for the future of Black Veil Brides going forward. And also the legend, Winston McCool, Partway Drive. Caught up with him just before Christmas to talk all about the new Partway Drive album that's coming this year. Super mysterious, one of the most anticipated albums of 2018. Really, really really good stuff so stay tuned strap in here we go times in the news firstly dallin weeks has parted ways with panic at the disco and will focus on i don't know how but they found me as it is i prevail real friends and more have confirmed that they will release new music in 2018 more on our website head to rocksound.tv to read all about that Lynn Gunn has hinted on Instagram that she's been working on brand new music. More on that as we get it. All Time Low will play So Wrong It's Right and Fall on their upcoming UK arena tour. And I am so excited about <laughs> yeah. it. Because Walking on heads. <laughs> I'm fairly sure a few podcast episodes ago I was demanding that that happened. And they've listened. So yep. you but can thank me later. Thanks, Tamsin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Dashboard Confessional have released the video for new track We Fight. Zebrahead will play this year's Slam Dunk Festival. The main are launching the 8123 podcast. I think we should do a collaboration there. We totally should. Um, and finally, then Black Veil Brides have released a new song, The Last One. Absolutely. So that brings us to interview one. Well, and interview two as well. Spearheading the start of the Russell Podcast 2018. Double interview with Black Veil Brides. So we're kicking off with Andy Beersack back to the podcast to chat everything Black Veil Brides. You know, return to the band, new album Veils out next week. Super interesting stuff, super interesting story. An album that's quite fragmented, quite a long process. You know, we waited a long time for this record. Andy's been off doing Andy Black. And then, you know, we went into all sorts of stuff, really, you know, about lifestyle change for Andy, some quite heavy topics. Um, and also, you know, living separately now as a band. You know, the guys are separate geographically and what that means for the band, what it means for Andy Black moving forward, and what it means for the future of Black Veil Brides. So super fascinating stuff. Here we go. Andy Beersack of Black Veil Brides. 
I guess to kick off then, I mean, we chatted about, we touched on it last time, but like Veil, it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, you recorded across a long period of time, several different locations. Um, what was what was the reason for that? Why was the process kind of so unusual? Well, so uh, what started as pre-production sessions that began in December of 2015 kind of turned into a very quick, um, let's get started. The problem was that let's get started on this record didn't really sync up with the schedule that our producer John had laid out for his year. So I had finished the Andy Black record and I was kind of not really that ready to go out of the studio. I was having so much fun doing the Andy Black record. We'd written so much material. And towards the end of the Andy Black record, John and I started writing material for what we thought would be the Black Belt record. Songs like Dead Man Walking and... Uh, uh, what's now called Destiny. It's had a few different titles over the, over the course of writing it, but now I believe it's called Our Destiny on the record. Um, that's where I landed. It's funny because when you, when you write these songs, you, you come up with working titles, then you come up with different titles, and sometimes the titles that end up that I say to other people or that end up on the set list are not consistent with the titles that I have written <laughs> or presented <laughs> to the public. So uh, with that, I believe that song is called Our Destiny. Uh, but those songs were written towards the end of the Andy Black process, and basically were just roadmaps that we gave to Jake and Jinx and said, hey, do your guitar magic on this and kind of add whatever elements you want. Um, and so with that in mind, we said, okay, well, why don't we just have them come in here? And now we're going to end the Andy Black record cycle uh, you know, of, of making this record. We're going to begin it, begin the Blackville cycle kind of all in a several-week period. I think that we ended the Andy Black record at the end of November by December 15th or something of 2015, we're full bore into the Black Belt record. Well, that was cool, but the problem that it presented was that we hadn't really accounted for the fact that, you know, there's other schedules in the world other than me and Black Belt Bride. <laughs> uh, and so Feldy had to start working on the, the Blink-182 record, the, the first Blink-182 record that he did with them, um, kind of in the middle of that. So that presented an interesting kind of situation where we had already begun work on this Black Belt record, and we're all jazzed and excited to get it going. But really, we could have stood to have another couple months of writing um, before we started tracking because we kind of just went all in. Okay, well, we've got this song, Outsider, and we've got a few things. Let's just start recording it. And we really did. Outsider was recorded. I mean, I really consider it the same sessions vocally as the Andy Black record, as the Shadow Side, because it was a matter of days. Um, and that's really the way the vocal, the, the initial vocal for a couple of the songs were recorded that way. Um, the last one, a few other songs, I wound up re-recording the vocals because I felt like the vocals didn't really make sense. I know it's something that is kind of indulgent and, and silly sounding, but for me, there is a, a tone difference between the way that I sing in a heavier Black Hill Bride song and the way that I sing in an Andy Black song. I try to attack it differently. And I know probably for the, the casual listener, but they may not hear that. Um, I think anybody who's a dedicated fan or has listened to my voice for many years can tell that I, I've tried to make a concerted effort to have a different tone a little bit more anger and aggression in a Blackville song than in an Andy Black song. So I wound up going back and re-recording a lot of that stuff that we recorded initially because it just didn't have that kind of power. Um, but long story even longer, uh, <laughs> we, we, we started recording and then basically got to the point where we had to step away. And that stepping away period uh, led to uh, a longer writing period where we really kind of developed what we thought the sound would be. And for me, that's when I really kicked into the the high gear of saying, okay, I'd like there to be it, not necessarily a story, but some narrative to this album that ties everything together and that ties it together with the past. And for a black Hill fan is something that will make them kind of remember, uh, eras and times in the band's history that I think will, 
will uh, be an enjoyable experience. I mean, one of the things that I've always loved the most about rock music is the pageantry and the kind of theatricality of it. And one of the things I've always appreciated the most was, obviously growing up, Kiss was my favorite band. Uh, as I got older, my, my favorite bands kind of switched. It was more bands like Alkaline Trio and, and AFI. And then by the time I was in high school, I wasn't a dedicated fan, but later really grew to appreciate and have a deep love and respect for a band like My Chemical Romance. Um, you know, and all of those bands that I just listed all had a really fun and interesting way of delivering stories and imagery to their audience. That when I, especially when I was younger, was just everything to me. And I didn't want to lose that. I feel like in many ways, and we've talked about it before, that there's elements of the fourth Black Oak Brides record that just feel kind of, um, not like they lacked effort, but just stilted in the sense that I didn't really, the goal was to not be as theatrical and over the top as previous efforts. And I feel like that made everything kind of suffer. So um, we wanted to be able to take time to do that. And so the reason it kind of took so long and in so many different locations was that I really wanted to be able to get together my plans for what uh, the, the narrative would be. And, and also on the other side of the coin, the band guys wanted to really make sure that musically it was representing exactly where they wanted to go. And obviously with Jake co-producing the record, um, you know, the guitars had to be a very specific and certain way. And I think that all of it really shines in the album. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Because I'm kind of on that sense as well. I mean, like, you know, you've got Andy Black now, you've got, you know, acting career with American Satan, you know, hopefully more in the future with that as well. You know, you've got your show, you've got so much going on as well as Black Veil Brides. What kind of brought you back out of the hiatus into Black Veil Brides again? Like, what was it? Because you're not purely um, defined by Black Veil Brides anymore. Like, you've got so much on your plate that's very successful. What, what brought you back to Black Veil Brides? Like, what was it that you wanted out of this album? You know, it was never the intention to to go away from the band entirely. I think that the idea was to try to establish other things that I've always wanted to do without dirtying the 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 kind of whatever you want to the brand. I hate the term, but you know, the, whatever it is that the band is, whatever it represents, and the you know, I think any term I could use any descriptor right now is going to make me sound even more pretentious than I already do. But uh, <laughs> the the legacy, the legacy of the band, or whatever you know, what, what artists describe as the thing that they most want to have represent them as as they get older and, and as their music, uh, you know, grows or doesn't grow or, or falls by the way. So whatever it is, the thing that they they last want people to see about them. Um, I didn't want that to become. Oh, uh, you know, Blackville after like five records started going into that weird new wave period because Andy got a hair up his ass and wanted to do it. Like, I, I didn't want that to be the case. So it really became, well, then I can just do something else. We've all been on tour for 150 years together. We definitely need a break. Um, you know, not because there's any infighting, but because we all look like we're exhausted and unhealthy <laughs> and need a little time. You know, you can't do, you can't do every continent and every country for nine months of the year uh, for four or five years without feeling like, Hey, I'm going crazy. <laughs> we should take some time off. And that really was the case by, by the, the, by October, uh, early November of 2015. Um, you know, the end of September, I think is when we ended the cycle. We did a few shows in October. There was no, Oh my God, this is a sad moment where we all know we're going to go away. And inversely, there was no, you know, everybody leaving out different doors and angry at each other. It was just a very clear, like, okay, well, let's just take a minute and appreciate what we've built over the last nearly, you know, at that point, nearly decade. Uh, and just, you know, we've been fortunate. Let's take a minute to, to reboot. You know, for me, I wanted to do this thing. Everybody had different projects, whether it's Jake and his wife has a band, uh, you know, and even outside of music, you know, CeCe and Ashley both have things that they work on in their life that are non-music related. 
um, Jinx's scoring movies. And, you know, it, this, there's always something going on in everybody's life. So it just felt like the time was needed. But through all of it, I think my plan was always to go, okay, well, the next Blackwell record, we're going to go back to Feldy. We're going to try to make something that feels as big and as fun and as kind of adventurous as Wretched Divine did in 2012. Um, and what does that sound like and what does that feel like? I guess we'll just have to find it later. So that was really always the intention. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, so you, you went back to Feldy, you know, he's, like you say, you did Wretched and Divine. Um, looking back on, on the self-titled you did with Bob Rock, like how do you, you mentioned it earlier, like how do you feel listening back to that album now? You know, what, are you still proud of it or, or were there things that you, you kind of wanted to change in hindsight? Like how do you feel about that album now? Well, you know, it's, it's, I kinda, it gets an unfair shake in my mind because of the time that it represents for me. Um, I was very unwell at the time, uh, didn't realize it, that what I had was a pretty severe injury that had gone untreated. Um, and something that I, to this day, I do physical therapy on a regular basis. And most people know that I had broken my ribs, uh, a couple of years ago on stage and shattered kind of the nine, 10, 11 rib on, you know, in a very kind of classic video of me jumping off the stage and whatever else. And, and because I was a drunk idiot who was 19 years old, I never got it treated or anything. And I went on touring for years and years and slowly started to lose feeling in my lower back and my legs and couldn't figure it out. And then went to all kinds of doctors. And, uh, I was basically just in excruciating pain for, for the entire year that that, that record was around. And, um, later finally was able to find through various sports medicine, uh, doctors and physical therapists that I had, uh, basically degenerating muscles on that side of my body that I was not treating. And so, um, unfortunately, before I found that diagnosis, I was diagnosed with 180 other different things because doctors see pain and they see a difference in blood cells and they think, oh my God, there must be something going on. So they'll medicate you. And for me, I didn't need medication. I needed physical therapy. So all the while that was going on, that record was going on. I was taking various medications for them to try to kill what they thought was like a, a bloodborne bacteria or something like that um, because I had all this pain that they couldn't explain. And that led to, I was already drinking for most of my, my entire adult life from my teenage years into my adult life to, I, you know, I've always had anxiety and, and struggled with, um, kind of just being too loud in my own head. And, uh, I guess I found, uh, unknowingly, uh, but I found the drinking quieted that down and, and made me feel like, uh, <laughs> excuse me, um, made me feel like maybe some of my, um, inhibitions were lowered. And so during the process of that year, I was at the height of my drinking and I was taking all this weird medication for something that I didn't actually need, uh, and kind of losing my mind. <laughs> and so most of that record was written, at least for me, lyrically was written drunk and mentally altered by these different medications. And it doesn't, it doesn't hold up to me. Um, and it's not because I don't, I didn't try really hard. It's just that I think somebody else might enjoy it more than I do. Cause when I look back at it, um, I see what is essentially the worst time of my life and why I am now sober and why I now exercise every day and why I had to make such a huge life change and why I kind of got myself back. Um, you don't get Andy black and all this new stuff and all the stuff that you say, you know, people that I speak to go, Oh my God, you're doing so much stuff. You don't get to that. Um, if it's not for kind of the, the, the depth of, of upset that I caused for myself in the, in the fourth record. Now, having said all of that, uh, working with Bob Rock was a complete joy. He was one of the sweetest, most interesting people I've ever met. Um, and he really believed in me. And I think we did make a great record. I think that if I look at it objectively, um, it's a really enjoyable album that uh, represents the band. We made it together. Everyone in the band was in the studio every single day. 
Um, we did it a lot of it in Canada. We had a great time. Uh, it's just for me personally, I feel like I underachieved a bit, at least lyrically. Some of the lyrics feel a little bit like, um, I call it Black Bell Brides Mad Libs, <laughs> where I feel like um, some of the times, unknowingly, I was just taking stuff I had already written and rephrasing it and putting it into place to kind of build a song out. And that is, uh, to me, that's kind of bullshit. You know, that's not, that's not art, and that's not something that uh, the fans uh, deserve, that, you know, I, I should work harder than that. But at the time, I was just kind of, I wasn't myself. And uh, I think I missed a lot of, of opportunities to do some great stuff. But I think that we more than made up for it on this, on this record. Wow, yeah, yeah. Because going inside this album, I mean, I was going to go to the lyrics uh, on this particular album as well. And I mean, you know, you were mentioning a narrative earlier, and it feels very personal, some of this stuff. I mean, you know, a song like When They Call My Name feels like a real moment. Um, and there are lines in that song right. that feel very, very personal. Was, was that where you were coming from with that? Did you want to address things? You know, you're saying that, you, you know, there's some very serious things going on in your life. Was that, were the lyrics on this album the result of that and wanting to address those things? Yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is that a song like When They Call My Name is about my direct relationship with, with my wife and, and with the, you know, most specifically my wife because she's my best friend and the person that I'm around the most. Um, in a situation where, uh, I mean, it's, look, I don't want to get into, like, sobriety talk, <laughs> but uh, the truth is that when I wrote that song, I was, I was just about six to eight months into, not, I had been off drinking for a while, but I had had a few you know, relapses or whatever. And I was never a uh, tragic drinker. I was never a get up in the morning and have booze because I have to. I was a drink anytime there was any social situation, blackout and not know anything that occurred and then hate myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, how did I, how did I, how did I, you know, get to the point where I'm saying, okay, well, I'm going to go out with my buddies. And then the next day, you know, I'm, I'm fully in my, in my hotel room with my leather jacket still on feeling like complete shit and getting a terrible hangover. That wasn't good for me. And when you do that every single day, it takes a toll on your central nervous system. You know, I, I was, again, I wasn't in a situation where I was, um, you know, that kind of thing where that, that kind of cartoon TV thing where it's, you know, the, the, the person is, is going to the, the school in like a, you know, a robe or something and like yelling at little kids like that. was that wasn't me. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was a situation where I was unfortunately in the exact situation to be drunk all the time. I was in a, a heavy metal band surrounded by people that are giving you booze and telling you how great you are. Uh, there is no more, there is no more appropriate and terrible place at the same time to be drunk all the time. Uh, and it just didn't work for me. So what happened was as I kind of removed myself from that and I wasn't around it all the time, the truth of the feelings and the emotions and the anxiety that I've been chasing away for my entire adult life really started to come back about six to eight months into my sobriety. All of a sudden, the shit that I hadn't felt in years was back. And these, these kind of, you know, not voices in my head, but these emotions and feelings and fears and all this stuff that I had been putting aside and saying, no, 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 I'm Mr. Rockstar with the lipstick and mascara and the leather pants. Um, it was coming at me when I'm sitting in sweatpants in my living room in my house, you know, and like, so that's, the facade of the the uh, untouchable rock star starts to come down when you're in your, you're in your quietest moments. And the truth is that I wanted desperately to remember and to feel all the things that made me feel good about myself, not tear down the idea of this rock star that you build yourself into, because that defeats the purpose of the message that I've been trying to send to our audience from the very beginning. 
you should always feel like you're an untouchable rock star, but you should always remember to be good to yourself and everyone else. The untouchable rock star's responsibility is not to be a dickhead to everybody. It's to give a shining example of the fun that you can't have if you lead a life that follows dreams and understands consequence. Um, I was at that point where I was writing about fuck, like I just I'm tell, I'm telling my wife all this stuff that I have felt for years that I'm not saying to anybody, and. I need her, I need my, my friends, I need the people in my life to be there for me so I can get through this to the other side and write about these feelings so I can share them with the audience and make sure that hopefully I'm able to um, continue to inspire, particularly the younger audience that we have, in their moments of darkness. Uh, and to understand that while I've never been someone who has self self-harmed, I know that that's prevalent in, in youth culture. And I can't imagine that the feeling of inadequacy and anxiety is too different. And I wanted people to know that um, I have felt those things, but I also don't dwell in them, and it's important to rise out of them. Well, yeah, because because going off that, I mean, like you know, songs like the last one and the title track, especially there's a kind of there's a sense of finality to the lyrics as well. So was that you kind of going at those things, like you know, giving up the drinking and kind of remembering to be good to yourself and kind of bring all these more positive feelings up to the surface? And was that you kind of going, you know, I'm not going to be in this rut anymore. I'm gonna I'm gonna break out of it. Is that where those songs were coming from? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to tell you a story, and this is not to to brag about how virtuous I am, <laughs> but rather to kind of exemplify uh, how kind of uh, lost you can get. Um, and it's just small little things. When we first started in Hollywood, and we were all broke, we would go to the liquor store around the corner from our crappy apartment, and I would buy a bottle of booze, and if there was uh, a homeless guy outside, I would always stay and have a chat with him, and give him whatever spare change I had. Now I had no money in the world, but I was at a point where I was, I had so much joy about the prospect of life that I wanted to share that with other people. Oh my God, I'm fucking 19 and I got cool hair and I'm in a rock band and you know, girls want to talk to me and oh my God, this is such a cool thing. I was a kid from Ohio who was essentially a loner who didn't have anything like that. You know, I had an arrested development when it came to being an adult and all of a sudden all these exciting things are happening and I'm, I'm fucking cool for the first time. So I wanted to share that. Um, as time and life progressed, the last thing I wanted was not necessarily to not talk to a homeless guy, but to ever make eye contact with anybody or to talk to anybody uh, towards the height of, of the of kind of first wave of black Belt bride success. By the time I get home from tours, the idea of leaving my couch was almost too much to bear. And I kind of lost that joy and that feeling. And it took over this kind of feeling of almost like this agoraphobic, like I, I need to, to stay contained. And then if I want to get outside of this bubble, I have to be completely pissed drunk to make contact with anybody else. The only way I can talk to anybody is if I'm completely drunk. Um, and as I was writing this record and kind of coming back to myself when it came to just the lyrics and the elements that I wrote on the album, um, it became really clear to me that I noticed myself doing little things that made me feel like a human again. Um, wanting to stay in chat with the, the teller at the bank that extra minute about their day, wanting to make eye contact with everybody around me, not feeling embarrassed or ashamed of just being. And that to me kind of started the road of like, well, maybe I've shed all that shit that was on top of me. Maybe that, that monkey that was on my back, I've, I've thrown him off. And if that's the case, then I need to say bye to all that stuff in an appropriate way. 
And so I, I've said it before, but veil is a is a is several different terms, but it's uh, valley, obviously. But it's also a written or spoken goodbye in like the most basic form of Latin, which is be well, be strong, which is to say goodbye, hello. And so that is what the record represents to me. It is saying goodbye to the negative and upsetting elements of your life, your friendships, the people around you. I mean, look, it's, it's an unrelatable and stupid problem to talk about. Oh, my God, I was at least marginally famous and people and people wanted to say nice things to me. And oh, my God, I know it doesn't sound realistic, but the truth is that sycophants and people that don't want something good for you exist in everybody's life. Whether you're 14 years old and in school or you're 45 years old and work, there is someone who looks at you and wants something from you and will try to manipulate a situation to make you get off your guard and do something stupid or not something that you feel is true to you. And that's a lot of what the record is speaking about, is being constantly aware of the fact that you are the only person who can really handle yourself and don't let other people manipulate or upset you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, no, you can definitely hear that. And I, I mean, how are you feeling now? Do you feel that, are there a lot of nerves? In fact, you know, you've taken some time away from the band and like, do you feel that, you know, coming back together and then with all these new songs, do you, do you, do you feel, do you feel confident in that, you know, you go out on the road with Ask Alexandra and that, do you just feel confident in how, it, you know, it's going to be a very natural process or is, are there nerves of that? You know, are, are there nerves about fitting back into the, the Black Veil mold together? I think I think one of the cool things is going to be just being in a room together again. Um, you know, it's going to be 2014 was really the last time that we had we stood in a rehearsal space and rehearsed together and thought about what we we're going to play, figured out everything else. You know, it's it's getting more and more real every day. I'm going to be back with these guys that you know I've I've spent my entire adult life with, and we're going to share in this experience together. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, being one fifth member of a, of a band is a pretty cool thing. You get to share all this stuff with people that, that have basically lived in the same moments as you professionally for years and years, you know, it's a double-edged sword with a band because I, you might say to me, Hey, what happened to you yesterday? And you and I might have different stories of what we went through yesterday. And that might keep our friendship interesting. You know, we might be able to have a conversation for a long period of time because our experiences are vastly different. When you're in a band, that is not the case. When you're in a band, everything that happens to the guy that's on your left also happens to you. So what do you talk about? Hey, I was on the plane yesterday and this thing, I know, I was on the plane too. We're always on the same plane. We're in the same vehicle every day. We're in the same venue. We eat the same things. We're at the same hotel. Everything we do is the same. There's nothing to talk about. So now that we've had these years apart uh, and time apart, we're going to have fucking plenty to talk about. You know, it's like going to be, it's going to be a family reunion. <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. i was going to ask about that actually because we haven't we haven't seen any music videos from you guys yet on the new album but it sounds like the plans are very much in motion for that yeah. has that has that literally purely been because of geographical reasons um yeah i mean it's just harder to get everybody together now you know people live in different cities and in different places uh and people have different lives you know it's it's it used to be that everybody was waiting all year round for to get their schedule to do a black belt thing and it's not to say that this isn't everybody's priority but when it comes to getting people scheduled, you know, we really have to do it in advance. And, and we're working with uh, a new production team uh, and, and, and some, some people that we haven't worked with before on the music video side. Uh, and it's just, you know, we kind of wanted to go in an entirely different direction. With this, with this record, we've really been kind of, I've always been so, everything has to be a certain way and everything needs to be this exact way. And I've really felt that maybe, you know, with this, this time around, maybe it might be nice to bring in some other people and outside people who can uh, not necessarily take away from the vision that I've laid down, but maybe add things and, and help out and, and really see where it can be taken. Because 
if I've learned one thing over the course of my, my career, and especially in the last two years, there's a real beauty and joy in collaborating and delegating as opposed to just obsessing by yourself. So because of that, the timeline has kind of been changed a bit, but um, we will have a video out uh, before the, the, the record is out. And I think that, you know, in this day and age, we, we've had all these conversations. Well, do we need to get it out by Thanksgiving? Do we need to get it out whenever? Um, by the way, Thanksgiving, American holiday. And we've talked about this before, uh, the, the difference <laughs> between, uh, difference between our, our, our lands. Um, so, but do we want to get it out now or, or what's, you know, what's the plan? And then we really just thought, well, the day and age that we live in, we're not, it's not going to go on MTV. It's that we don't need to advance an album with a music video. Why don't we just do something awesome take our time with it and put it out when it's done, which will likely be, you know, soon before the album is out. So that's really the way we're looking at it. And we want something that's going to be representative of the record. Also something that represents the stage show. And that's all taken time to put together because, you know, one of the unfortunate parts of making a music video sometimes is you do it so far in advance of the album coming out that by the time the album comes out, you see the album differently, you know, and, and the video really paints the picture for how people see the record. So, you know, we've had some great, we've had some great, great videos. And obviously we've worked with, with Patrick Fogarty for years and years, and I will continue to work with him. But for this one, you know, we were just kind of like, well, maybe, maybe we, uh, maybe we just get into a, a different world where we see what, what does Black Veil look like through, through a different lens than just the, the kind of story that we've always built. And uh, I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah, very cool. No, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, just to finish up then, you know, obviously, like I say, you're hard at work on the Andy Black album, the BVB stuff's done there, all that's happened with all the live stuff and all this amazing kind of production that's coming up. Like, what's the plan going in 2018 with the two projects? Is it going to be kind of an equal split or are you just going to see how things go? Like, what, what's the plan with that? Well, I've completed my kind of first run at the Andy Black record. Uh, the plan was always to go to the beginning of December and then stop production. Um, because I don't want it to ever interfere with any of the, the Black Bell Bride stuff. At this point now, I shift my focus 100% to Black Bell, to the tour, to the release of the record, to all that stuff. And, you know, moving forward, that's my focus. Now, I've got about 13 or 14 songs recorded. In my opinion, about nine or 10 of which are, are ready to go on an album, just need to be mixed and, and ready to go. Some of them could use some tweaks, and I'll probably continue to write. But that writing won't kick back off until probably around the spring of, of 2018. And I can anticipate that the Andy Black record would probably come out towards the end of 2018 or first quarter of 2019. So, I mean, so the two are going to be very separate then by the sounds of it, that, you know, you've, you've very much pre-planned that the two things are going to get equal footing, essentially. Because, you know, with uh, The Shadow Side was very successful. And I mean, like with the second album, I mean, you know, theoretically, were that to be even more successful and to require a lot more of your time? How would how would that affect Black Veil Brides? Well, look, I'm not going to, I don't want to, this is a difficult thing to say uh, because I know that I'll be misunderstood and I know that, that fans listening to this will think that I'm, I'm trying to say, they'll, they'll read more into it than I think that they should. But I, I will say that I don't think that we live in a world where Black Veil Brides will be, ever tour as consistently, as constantly, and as like tirelessly as we did when we were younger. Um, I, I don't think that it's practical, and I don't think any of us are in that place. And I also don't think it's fair to the fans. You can only roll through the same, you know, Sacramento eight times a year for so long before eventually you're going to wear out your welcome. And not only are you tired, but people are tired of seeing you. And the set list is essentially the same, and you can't do much new. And we really want to deliver whatever our career is moving forward. We want to deliver things that are fun and interesting and exciting to the audience. 
And that might mean waiting a bit longer between cycles. You know, I, I don't think that we're in a place in our career where we want to get back on the horse and, and put out two records a year, you know, 10 years into our career. I just think that it's, it's very unlikely that I really, I think that while, yes, this is a uniquely long period of time for this album, um, and that may not be the case moving forward, I do think that a fan of the band can anticipate that we will take more time with the record cycles and try to stretch them out over a longer period of time and play shows when we can. Um, not consistent, constant touring, but rather kind of like show, 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 show. And uh, that the records will be, in my opinion, will, will improve because of it. Because we're not going to be in a position where somebody's cracking the whip and saying, you got to get this record out right now. What's Blackwell Brides all about? Do it right now. Um, we'll be able to make things that I think are more artistically fulfilling and hopefully better for the fans. And if I think if someone is a fan of the fifth Blackwell record, then they will understand and appreciate that this, this record took longer than others for a reason. And that's kind of what we think we'll end up doing moving forward. And um, because of that, they won't really be a conflict for me and, Black, uh, and, and Andy Black or Jake with Alonia or, or Jinx with his movie scoring or whatever it is. Um, you know, obviously, Jake, my, my lead guitar player, has, has a band with his wife. Um, there's no conflict there because there will be time for it. You know, we're, we're in a position where Blackwell is, is the most important thing musically in our life, but also it allows for us to do other things. And we don't want to suffocate Blackwell Brides over the course of our career and go, we have to constantly release things all the time. Um, I really think that letting it breathe and being a bit more of an organic thing, I think moving forward will, will be kind of the way it goes. Awesome stuff. So that was Andy. We're now going to talk to Christian Coma for more insights into the band's time away in the future. Here we go. Christian Coma, Black Veil Brides. Talking of the self-titled, how do you feel about the album and reflection now? Because Andy was saying that, you know, he's still proud of it, but it was quite a tough time for him from a kind of personal standpoint. How was it for you looking back? Uh, I actually had a blast doing that. Um, I recorded drums in North Hollywood, California, and uh, with, with Bob and the team. And then... For guitars and vocals, he moved us out of the U.S. to Vancouver, Canada for about a month. And um, I, I came along, you know, to do background vocals and give my input and stuff. And I was already finished with the drum parts when we went to Vancouver. So I was kind of just on vacation, to be honest, and, you know, helping out, going to the studio every day. But uh, it, it was, I mean, it was a wonderful experience. I, I really enjoyed working with Bob. Um, you know, his, his stories about the history, you know, he's such an iconic producer, and so his stories about, you know, some of his previous acts he's worked with were just you know, incredible and life-changing. And, you know, getting the inside scoop on, on some of my heroes was, was interesting. And, but, um, yeah, like I said, every, every production team works a little bit differently. And so, um, you know, this, this one was a bit more focused. I guess I had, I had more, more fun and kind of, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to say it. I guess <laughs> I, I wasn't as focused the last record. And, you know, I'd be going out and making friends in, in Canada and going to dinners and stuff. And this one was kind of like, all right, we got to get this record done. Um, not that there was any rush or anything. It was just more, more focused. You know, we got, this is what we have to do. Let's get it done. And it was like kind of like a no, you know, no funny business recording process. For me, at least. You know, obviously having that time away, you know, and like, because you know, this has been the longest between Black Veil albums. And I mean, how was that for you? Because obviously, you know, Andy had his Andy Black thing and, you know, you guys were all kind of doing different things. How's that period been for you? Has it been quite nice in that you've been able to pursue other passions as well? You know, it was nice. It's, it's always nice to take a breather. I mean, we, we've been going at it for, man, I don't know, 10 years, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty hardcore um, the, the, the break was a little bit longer than I expected and or wanted it to be, but I mean, 
what are, you, what are you gonna do? You know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Um, it was really refreshing to. I had a hand injury on the last at the end of the last tour, so I had some tendonitis on my left hand, and so to give my hand some time to rest and everything, it, it was you know really beneficial physically for me to to have this, such an extended break. But I think you know I definitely missed you know performing for the fans and you know traveling the world and and the excitement of all of it. You know, it kind of got a little boring over here, but definitely ready to go back out on the road and you know, see everybody all over again. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because, I mean, you know, going back into the Black Veil mold now, you know, especially with these new tracks and that sort of thing, like, how are you feeling about it? You just, is it just pure excitement for you or are there some nerves there or how are you feeling about that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's with such an extended break, there was a little bit of nerves, like, oh man, I don't, I don't know if I could still do it, you know, because I've watched videos, uh, you know, of myself back, I'm not, that sounds really conceited, not like I do that, but, you know, just watch videos to be like, oh, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I play this particular part or, you know, what, what do I do for here? And it's like, man, I don't know if I could do that. Look at how much energy I have, but, you know, getting the kit set, set back up and rehearsing. I mean, you know, it's, it's everyone says it's like riding a bike and it kind of is, you know, it kind of took over a lot of muscle memory came back and like, oh yeah, that's how I do this. That's how I do that. And so I'm kind of just excited. And, uh, the funny thing is, no matter how much I rehearse by myself or with the guys, it's 100% will always be different performing for people. You know, like the energy I put in, into playing the drums, I don't know if I hit harder with my adrenaline or whatever. I can practice for a year straight, and as soon as I go on tour, I will, like, be dying the first show and, like, completely exhausted. My muscles are, like, so swollen and, you know, fatigued and stuff. And so it doesn't matter how much I practice, you know, performing for the fans, is, is always, you know, a completely different experience. And it's it, on so many different levels. It's, it's really therapeutic in ways. And I'm really looking forward to doing that again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, because Andy was saying as well that, you know, it was something that he's really, really looking forward to about going back out on the road, you know, as a band and everything is that he, he can't wait for you guys to, you know, literally physically get back together and be back in that rehearsal space and that sort of thing. Have, have you really missed that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone's kind of done their, their thing. Um, you know, I think I think Jake got married in the meantime. I think it was while we've been off, and you know, every, everyone has their girls, and everyone's kind of gone their separate ways. And it's not like there's a falling out, and we, you know, we got in an argument or anything. And I know there's been so many rumors, you know, among the fan base, you know, oh, BVB's breaking up, and this and that, and look at look at what this person wrote. You know, they're definitely breaking up. You know, they're they're coming up with their own conspiracy theories, which is actually kind of fun for me to read. But I mean, everyone's just kind of grown up a little bit, you know, and and. Uh, you know, Andy's like sober and com- completely, you know, he's got super healthy and he's vegan now. And, um, you know, every, every, it's, it's just a different era from when we were young and reckless and, you know, <laughs> throwing things out of the windows and stuff. And not to say, I don't know. I mean, who, who knows? We might be doing that again, you know, when it comes on tour. But um, everyone's kind of grown up a little bit and, and calmed down. And so I think at this point in our career, we all, we all know what it's like to tour. You know, we all have wives and girlfriends and you know stuff like that and so um yeah it's it's definitely going to be fun just just the guys to get together you know i've i've ran it i don't think all five of us have been um in a room together since we did the record you know and there was a, just a few days that we were all together and so it'll be very nice you know i'm i'm excited for it you know to have all five of us together on a touring environment you know again and catch up with all the dudes 
Yeah, definitely. No, it sounds absolutely amazing. I, I mean, it, like in terms of that as well, you know, not kind of not being in a, in a, in a kind of rehearsal space together for quite a while and that sort of thing. I mean, has that been hard at any point? You know, because, you know, obviously it sounds like you can't wait to get back out on the road and that sort of thing. Like, has it has it been quite difficult at points? You know, have you been kind of, you know, itching to get back out there? And, you, you know, has that ever got frustrating or, or has it just been nice being able to focus on yourself? Um, yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, I'll go like the other day I went to a show. Um, it was like, a, I prevail. And you know, I had a bunch of friends playing. Like we came as Romans, uh, friends with those dudes, you know, escape the fate, friends with those dudes, the word alive. I'm friends with those dudes. And it's kind of, it is kind of, it was kind of frustrating just being like, Oh my God, like these, these guys, you know, it's been so long and I'm just like looking at them. And I, there was a, there's a little bit of envy to be honest, um, that they were on stage. And it's like, man, we, we've done so much touring and stuff that, you know, it's been so long. I felt like there was kind of a, a something lacking in my life, you know, and it, it was, you know, performing for people and meeting, meeting the fans. I mean, I love seeing people's faces light up and, you know, just the fact that I could take a picture or give them a hug or something and make their day. I mean, there's, there's no better feeling than that. So, I mean, I guess I kind of missed that aspect of it. However, it was nice, you know, like I was saying to have some, some time off and spend some time with family and my girlfriend and stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it, I definitely miss it, you know, and there were some times, like I said, when I'd go to shows and I, I would be kind of envious and, you know, I'd almost leave, you know, a little depressed and kind of being like, damn, like, can't wait to get out. And, you know, it's not like it was like that the whole break, you know, it's been a little bit over two years now, but there were certain, certain points where it hit me a little bit harder and I was definitely missing the touring aspects of being a musician going into 2018 obviously with the with the tour with asking coming up and everything is that very much the plan then it's just kind of all kind of clicking into gear now and you guys are getting back together and and it's all kind of full pelt ahead yeah absolutely and um you know we've been talking about it and it's kind of like overnight it's like boom all right we're back in blackville mode and i I haven't stopped like i was sending emails at like one this morning and it's kind of non-stop i've been on the phone with my my new drum tech and it, it, I mean, it feels good to be working again. Um, you know, it's kind of funny when I first met my girlfriend, I, I was, you know, doing, I had a lot of time off and she's just kind of like, okay, like, I'm like, trust me, like, I'll be busy soon. I'll be busy soon. And, um, you know, she was, she was going to, to acting school. And so since then we've kind of reversed roles cause she graduated and she, she has like a bunch of auditions and stuff. And now I'm like super busy where I'm like, not now I got stuff to do. And so it's kind of funny how the roles reversed, you know, in my, in my personal life. But yeah, it definitely has switched into Blackville mode and we're, we're like all, all systems go. And um, yeah, we have rehearsals coming up and then we're off to the races. We're out with asking and then till March. So um, definitely looking forward to everything. I'm really excited, especially <laughs> touring with those guys. Those guys are, those guys are a wild bunch. You know? <laughs> it's been a long time coming touring with those guys. And I've hung out with them on, on you know, plenty of occasions. We're all good friends. And so we're looking forward to, you know, sharing the stage with them and, um, causing a ruckus all over all over the world <laughs> yeah no i actually spoke to danny and ben about that yeah no it's super exciting i can't wait and i i mean yeah i guess then just to kind of finish up then you know it all sounds really positive and everything i mean like andy was saying that you know in terms of how black veil operates now you know there's much more kind of planning behind the band you know you know it's all very much because with everyone kind of being in different places geographically and kind of doing their own thing as well as the band while the band's the main priority there's a lot of pr- kind of planning there and kind of scheduling and that sort of thing um how is that for you in kind in terms of being different to that kind of relentless nature that the band used to have in terms of the live, you know, the live touring and everything in terms of it was, you know, it literally touring for nine, ten months of the year. And now it's kind of much more about planning and not letting the band suffocate everyone and kind of doing it in a way that's going to make everyone really happy. Is that, how do you feel about that? What's kind of your take on that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the older we get. I'm not that anyone's really sick of touring or anything like that, but I think having some time off and planning things and being smarter. But you know, it's the whole mentality works smarter, not harder. And um, you know, where we could make tours and not spend ten months out of the year, you know, constantly touring, we could just always just be on perpetually be on tour if we wanted to. But I think having some time off at home and you know, giving everybody a little bit of space and breathing room is is really healthy for a group. You know, especially when we've had. 10, 10, nine or 10 years together, you know, in a bus and doing all this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's not that we get in any arguments or fights or anything like that. It's nothing like that. It's just kind of, you know, everyone has their life at home and, um, it's kind of nice to just kind of, you know, relax. Like I have family. I spend a lot of time with, with, with my family and stuff and, you know, my girlfriend and dogs and everything, and everyone has their own thing. And, um, Andy has a lot of his personal things where, you know, he has his own podcast and he has, um, you know, he, he was in a movie, um, and so he's got a lot of things going on. And so I think at this point, it's kind of just keeping, keeping the guys happy makes everybody more productive, you know, and, um, you know, J- Jake with his wife and Jinx with his uh, girl and everything. It, it's, uh, I think, I think keeping the dudes happy and we're at the point where I, I don't know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I don't think being 10 months, being out for 10 months is, you know, something that we were, we couldn't wait for like we used to in the past. And, um, you know, nothing against the fans. Like we, we love seeing the fans and everything, but every once in a while, it's good just to get your feet underneath you and not lose sight, you know, and get tunnel vision where you're just perpetually on the road and there's no end in sight. And so I think, um, having some time off and us getting grounded again, it'll, it'll give the fans a better experience because we'll be more enjoyable to watch and we won't be, you know, zombified, so to speak, you know, the <laughs> zombies on the stage, like, Oh, another show, this and that, you know, we'll actually be in, um, you know, we'll be, we'll be into doing it and we'll be a little bit more passionate about playing, you know, and, and, and doing stuff like that. Like, I feel like right now my batteries are completely recharged and, um, you know, when we, when we have a tour and we'll have like a week or two weeks off and go right back into it, it's, I would, you know, I'm kind of like, Oh man, all right, we're just back in tour mode. And it never, it never ends like a two week break. It goes by like this, you know, so quick. And, um, yeah, having, having an extended period, like my, I'm ready to go. And it's, I, I've had such a long break that I know that the next shows and the next tour, I'm going to be giving it my all since I've had so much time off. And in my head, I'm going to be thinking about having so much time off and not being able to do it for so long and to appreciate being on stage and appreciate all the fans being there to watch the band and everything. And so I think it'll make my performances a little bit better. Awesome stuff. Yeah, really, really interesting. As I say, super, super fascinating story with that band. Loads going on. Um, and I think it's been quite unclear for a while, you know, what's actually going to be going on with the band as we move into the future, you know. And with Vale now, it's kind of set some things straight. So, uh, Tamsin, what do you take away from it first? I mean, I think, as as both of them both of them said, you know, the, the break, although it was long that it was very much needed for the band for themselves as individuals it allowed them to go off and focus you know andy went and did his solo stuff and everyone kind of just got to like just restore themselves a bit and i think as as music fans in general all of us are kind of too quick to be like i want a new album from this band now immediately we need new music which i get when you love a band that much you just want constantly to hear all the new stuff but i think people kind of forget that bands are humans and as andy kind of went into in-depth conversations about when you're just drinking every night hung over every day in a van with the same dudes over and over again for months it can really take a toll on you and 
it you do you get to a point where you're just like I, I need a break like and it's very very important for bands to take that break and look after themselves so that they can come back and you know create what is possibly their best stuff ever so fair play to them to actually actually being like no we're gonna take two years off we're gonna just focus on other things because otherwise they're just gonna end up hating each other and breaking up and nobody wants that yeah so yeah. i mean shout out those guys it sounds like 2018 is gonna be huge and those that tour with asking alexandra is gonna blow the roof off every venue ever yeah i mean that's the thing you know i love it. andy's always such a candid you know guy to talk to and very honest you know and i think you know it really it really says a lot kind of what you're saying you know that he's had these lifestyle changes and had to kind of face up some quite difficult things and i think maybe you know if you'd let a band suffocate you, you were touring you know doing the same venues four or five times a year like he said you know maybe you wouldn't be able to do that and that would have wrecked things you know so i think yeah. that's awesome they've done that jack yeah um it's really interesting when because when there's five members of a band who are all doing separate things, it's like each thing of that kind of leaks out separately and kind of go, oh, so-and-so's doing this, so-and-so's doing this. Um, but when you hear it all together, like when Andy and Cece are like reeling off, well, Jake's doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. It's like, actually, yeah, even though your time away from this has been like, like how long is it since the self-titled? Three years, four years now? Yeah. Like, in that four years, it's not like anyone's just been sat twiddling their thumbs. They've all been doing something. And it's like, even me, I can't... In real life, you can't stand being with the same people for, like... Like, for me, I haven't found anyone I can spend more than, like, a week with or so. <laughs> like, um, so, like, you need you do need that time away to, like, just realise what your goals are. And I feel as though when you hear it from the band, when it's, like, this honest and open about where they've been and what they've been doing and why it's taken this long to do another Black Veil album. It it kind of like, it's a bit of a palate cleanser. Like, I hope it's that people understand it. But the biggest thing for me was, because Andy's been very honest with us a lot about his newfound sobriety. Mm. Um, and the biggest thing was when he was talking about when they come for me. Um, and he said, you should always feel like an untouchable rock star, but without actually pushing yourself to that limit. And I feel as though that's interesting, like what Tamsin said about in like doing the drinking and stuff, that you you do forget that these people are human as well, and that they do have limits. Like you don't... It's, it's the same as as he was talking about what he learned from American Satan and what he was pushing into that, like it's all coming full circle and it just makes sense now. Like when, when you, when there's silence from a band, it's pretty easy to get on the back about where they've been and what they've been doing. But when it all comes out, you go, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's nice that, you know, being able to speak to both of them, they kind of like I say, kind of set that record straight in a way and kind of said, you know, no, we've just, life moves on, life changes, you know, and we've got a bunch of things now that we have to focus on, but yeah. Black Veil now is very yeah, much the focus, you know. Cause like, it's, it's the same as like normal gossip columns. Like you see it on the yeah. front of, like tabloid newspapers it's like oh they've been seen separately they're not spending <laughs> yeah. every living moment together it's like well why would they like yeah like what why the hell would they when they're not on tour doing anything it's not like it's not like they're a show on nickelodeon where 
it's, it's not it, they're not big time rush they don't have to spend every waking yeah. minute together i yeah. mean to be fair like love you guys dearly but if i spent two months in a van on the road with you i would want oh, to be yeah, away yeah, from yeah, you yeah, that, for that like... would probably go horribly wrong yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah god it's just like i mean i've i've been on tour and it's just like it's brutal because you are going every day and you see the same people and you run out of things to say mm. and like if that silence goes from being comfortable to awkward, it's hard to bring it back round. So, like, fair play to them for being that honest about, like, well, we don't want this band to just fade into nothingness because we care about it so much. Yeah. So. Yeah, love it. Brilliant. Loads of honesty for both guys, what we absolutely <laughs> love. Um, just great to have them on. And, yeah, Vale's out next Friday. Pick it up. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for the shows with Asking. going to be sick. So, Jack. List of questions 2018. Yep. <laughs> Uh, New Year, same nonsense. Um, so I thought that was the name of like the username you were reading out there, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. <laughs> no, just um, just, just the your slogan. life motto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so M with some pens has asked us, "What upcoming band do you think will have the best 2018?" I think that's an interesting one because. There's so many bands to pick from. We've spoken about so many, but one which um, I was—I've t- been talking about them a bit today, and I think that Homebound will have an excellent 2018. Um, because I was talking, we er- talking earlier about like who, aside from Neck Deep in the UK pop punk crop, is next to like blow up big. And Homebound released a new s- song at the end of last year called Bound to Be, and listening back to it they feel like the most genuine of the crop at the minute and the ones who are sticking to the sound but putting their own spin on it and if they bring out an album which like gets right away i reckon they're going to be huge i've got to say the same about my boys milestones as well like um they've been teasing new album soon hopefully we'll get it very soon uh and after the year they had last year i feel as though they could light up 2018 so Great shouts, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna give a shout to Chase Atlantic, obviously, who we've banged on about in this podcast a lot in the past few months. Um, I think they're gonna go pretty big this year. Um, also, a little band called The Fame, who have uh, been doing some very interesting things. Uh, look out for them in coming issues of Rock Sound. And um, but I think like my number one actually is gonna be. I literally just got off the phone with uh, Henry from Boston Manor. Um, literally Love about half Henry. Hour yeah, such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. Shout and Henry. You know what? Like chatting about Boston Manor's upcoming new album, which is coming this year. Like I'm super excited. It sounds like they've been so open about how they've approached it and it doesn't feel like they've boxed themselves in at all it just sounds like they've had such a blast writing it and i think they'll put you know piecing it together and i think that's always the biggest indication that something is going to be mega so um yeah i'm going to go boston manor and uh listen out to a future rock sound podcast episode for uh, that chat strong shout Ooh, teasing <laughs> I'm going to go with Grayscale. Nice. Because, I mean, they had a pretty big 2017 as it was. Um, uh, but they obviously they're coming over to the UK. They're going to be touring loads. That record is great. Um, and I just think there's... I'm, I'm, I'm very much in this sort of love-hate relationship with pop punk at the moment. There's... And, uh, there's bands I'm not liking, but bands I'm absolutely loving as well. And Grayscale are one of them. And I think they've just got so much to give. And their sound is like, a, it, it's not completely generic. I think they're doing something a little bit different. It's really fun, but emotional at the same time. And that's everything that I like. 
Um, so yeah, uh, I'm really really looking forward to seeing Grayscale live. And I also think we should give a shout out to the band that we talk about every single week, which is Stand Atlantic. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, like, everyone knows that already. Everyone knows, <laughs> everyone knows yeah. that already. <laughs> so, so they were going to be my pick, but it's yeah. just like, you know, everyone knows it. So. Um, <laughs> Lauren on Twitter asked us what the first band we ever saw live was. Well, mine was... My Chemical Romance on the Black Parade tour, uh, if we're not counting the three times I saw Westlife before that. <laughs> we definitely are. Well, 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 we are. I could talk about... I was going to say, like, I've got two different answers, and it's yeah. whether we're including the pop acts you saw when well, you were, like, five, well, or... Well, I mean, like, shout out Westlife. Like, yeah, so big much. up. Like, when they fly, I'm flying without wings. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, MCR on the Black Parade tour... Like Thursday supported, I'm pretty sure I've spoken about it before. I think it was one of your favourite shows. Yeah, yeah, like it was just the Black Parade in full. The minute Gerard was wheeled out on a stretcher, like, and then got out of his uh, hotel gown into his drummer boy suit, like just the fire, the atmosphere, the passion of it. And then like the, the way that they brought the theatre to it, that they were the Black Parade and they were like, a lot more snidey than MCR usually are, like quite aggressive in it. And people just ate up and then they went, right, we're off. And then they came out as MCR and played loads of three cheer songs. Like it was just ridiculous. Like everything about it and just like, it was just, I think it was a benchmark for like, it just showed that even 10 years ago, like, and even now, I can't think of a show which hit me as hard that they, how special they actually were. So sick. Yeah, mine was red in 2002, actually. Um, Slipknot, namely. Uh, third headliners, absolutely amazing. It was on Iowa, and just like, um, if you if you were lucky enough to see the band back in the day uh, on those first two albums, like, it was just insane. You know, like, as soon as they came on, you know, Clown and Corey were just straight down to the crowd. Uh, Joey at the end was throwing his drumsticks all over the place. Like, Clown was walking up and down the crowd with his middle finger up. It was just absolutely insane. And as you know, a 10-year-old, that was pretty... Uh, was, the, was this around, This was around the time when the used to inhale the crow as well yeah. it? and like throw up on each other yeah. or whatever it was look, look it up maybe we, we won't describe what that is but yeah <laughs> look it up oh, it's well documented um yeah just absolutely insane uh, i mean you know there was a bottle fight um in the crowd it was uh, like plastic balls um it was uh, it was it was just insane i mean also saw you know 100 reasons check them out if you don't know who they are um incubus puddle and mud like absolutely amazing back in the day bands and um prodigy and the offspring headline so all in all just uh, pretty life-changing basically right so <laughs> if we're if we're talking if we're talking like the first group i ever saw live then it has to be all saints oh yeah that's sick, sick choice um yeah that, that generally was like my first ever live show i went with my neighbor i think we had to leave before the end because the girl, the girl that I went with fell asleep. Um, oh, <laughs> but generally, not because it was boring, but because it was way past her oh, bedtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the f- but mo- moving on from that, I think the first, like, actual band I saw and was at the front for and, had, like, sang along to every word is a band called Feeder. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you don't know who Feeder are, they're about to celebrate their 10-year anniversary Versary of like one of their albums. Genuinely, I am so excited because my aim do a crowd. I mean, like, I mean, I think even if people don't know the name for you, they'll know the song. Yeah, yeah. if you like, just 
search for just a day or buck rogers yeah. on youtube and you will know the songs instantly like they come on at like every alternative nightclub everyone knows the words to them and like I, I i feel like they were kind of like indie rock i guess um they were one of the first bands that kind of actually got me into like proper rock and yeah. guitars and things and like yeah they just turned out bangers for like 15 oh, years and finally shane kennedy 04 has asked the album that you're most excited for in 2018 21 pilots oh um architects state champs big cheers lads <laughs> Oh, that's a lot of fun. So, we have a brand new issue on sale. Um, we had our awards issue last month, which was a massive success. Absolutely amazing. All you guys out there seeing Picking Your Favourite Covers was absolutely incredible. But uh, now, in what's hugely exciting to be able to start 2018 with, uh, we're very proud to give Palais Royale, the band on everybody's lips right now, uh, their first ever magazine cover as a band. Uh, most exciting band of 2018. Um, we haven't seen a demand for a band like this uh, in quite some time. Podcast questions to tweets we put out over the past six months. Palais Royale just everywhere. The Royal Council, like you guys are just everywhere, you know, pushing this band. We saw the band back in November um, it was absolutely insane uh, at their debut UK show like it was just crazy so to be able to do this is super super exciting a real phenomenon in the making potentially um, Boom Boom Room Side B is coming soon a new album um, it's just absolutely their year so we wanted to introduce you to Remington Sebastian and Emerson and their amazing story written by our digital editor Andy Bidoff so head to shop.rocksound.tv right now to pick up the Clockwork Bundle featuring a limited edition cover hand signed poster by the whole band an art print and giant wall poster designed by Emerson Barrett himself or the Soldier Bundle featuring a limited edition cover again deluxe photo cards of each band member premium screen printed patch enamel pin badge and giant wall poster or the Royal Council Bundle which includes all of those things including both covers if you're a member of the Royal Council or even just interested in a band that are about to go mega with a really fascinating amazing story who are totally we mentioned honesty earlier on Blackwell Brides again it's a really kind of like warts and all read and it's really, really interesting. So absolutely essential purchase and all come with free worldwide shipping. Absolutely amazing. So no extra fees. All shipping is completely free. So get on it. These are selling fast. So check it all out. Let us know your favorite cover. Absolutely amazing stuff. Also includes a special 21 parts pullout photo magazine celebrating the blurry face era. Absolutely mega. And chats with Asking Alexandria tonight live. Marmosets and more reviews of Waterparks Entertainment. Fallout Boys Mania. So much going on. Brilliant stuff. Spotify plays as well. An updated rock sound chart. Of course, follow us on Spotify. Who's number one, Jack? Waterparks with lucky people. <laughs> yes. A disgusting TV show, brand new episode to fit in with our Palais Royale issue right now on Daily on Scars. Amazing. Interview three, Partway Drive. Oh, God. Right, breather. Uh, Winston McCall. Um, and you did all that in one breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, start, I started to lose at one point as well. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to starve. And it was like, no. But um, yeah, Winston McCall. Absolutely amazing stuff. So we're talking of anticipated albums in 2018. Um, Partway Drive, man. Like, such a forward thinking, one of the most forward thinking, innovative heavy bands uh, in the music world have been for so long. They've just celebrated 10 years of their absolute classic horizons and now they're getting ready to release album number six. So, so exciting. One of 2018's most anticipated releases and really, really mysterious as well. They're keeping all the cards to their chest. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Here's the brilliant Winston McCall. 
with Aya, I remember ahead of that album, you know, you were saying with Atlas that you kind of pushed the partway sound as kind of far as it could possibly go in a certain way. And then with Aya, you know, you took a lot of different risks and kind of pushed the, pushed the partway sound into completely different ways. And it all came off really, really successfully. You know, songs like Writings on the Wall, um, and Vice Grip, and a Deathless song. So is that something you kind of wanted to continue with this album? Um, <laughs> straight into the deep end, huh? <laughs> um, in in like in one word, yes. But that being said, like uh, it's not like the, it definitely wasn't the thing where we did Iron. We're like, this is it. Like this is our new sound. We're going to sound exactly like this from now on. Next record's going to sound exactly the same. It was more the kind of thing where uh, I was a big like leap into uh, the unknown when it came to challenging ourselves of writing in different ways and different styles and creating sounds that we wanted to represent us um, without stepping away from what we already were. Um, so when it's come to writing new stuff, uh, I think the wonderful thing from Aya has been simply the liberation and the gaining of confidence in ourselves in the fact of we put Aya out, we loved what we did, it got an amazing reaction like far better than anything we could have hoped for and then we get to continue creating and going, okay, we, we know what we're doing. We can we can work on stuff and it doesn't have to be this constant thing of second guessing. It's simply knowing that if we put our passion into it and our conviction into it and our effort into it, that we can pull off these sounds that you wouldn't expect. So that's kind of where it's going. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Very excited. I mean, yeah, on, on that kind of yeah. angle, like, I mean, you know, you, you did amazing shows on the IS cycle, you know, and you played, a lot of these songs to, to huge reactions. You know, I saw both Brixton's, which were just absolutely insane. And I mean, like, in terms of that kind of, com- <laughs> that kind of confidence that you were saying it gave you guys, like, did that give a real confidence as well going into the writing of this album and that, you know, seeing, you know, yeah. all, all these huge reactions in front of you to these songs as well and being able to do so much with the set because of them? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, it was a, it was a massive, massive um, just shift in the band dynamic, full stop. Because it's really weird to look back now um, at a pre-Ire period simply because um, there was such a massive leap in such a, such a short amount of time um, in every sense of what we were as a band. It wasn't just like we're throwing three new songs into a set list, this album, and then the, kind of the set list that you've been playing for five years just evolves a little bit and the shows kind of go on the same. Like the visuals, the the size of the shows, the reaction to the songs and the amount of new material that was embraced by people was, it, it was far and above anything we'd done before. So yeah, it did like that, that gave us a massive confidence boost um, simply in the sense of we, ne- we never went about writing iron in a way that was uh, aimed at a, a different, I guess, result from anything we did in the past, which was simply write music that we like, listen to and we like to write. And in the past, it translated in the sense that it's what we like to write and create connected with people. And luckily, this time, we did the same thing. And we're like, well, it's different, but hopefully, like, we still connect with it. So hopefully, it's going to connect with other people. And to have it do that at that level was something where, like, you know what? We don't have to, we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to second-guess ourselves. Like, we've been doing this for a long time. Now we, we have an ear for what we like, and it's not an ear for necessarily something that I think is going to flop. <laughs> and I don't want to say like flop as in like commercially flop. I just mean as in not like come off as ingenuine because 
I guess that's the thing. Like everything we create is very, very personal for us. And it's, we don't sit down and just go, bang, 40 minutes, like, here's a riff, like, with a breakdown, it's out, like, there we go, there's a, there's a record. Even when we're just doing metalcore songs, it takes us a long time to write this stuff. And now we just happen to be writing other stuff. But you do need the confidence to, to be able to go, okay, if I'm going to do this different sound, how am I going to put the conviction in it that is real? Because if it's not real, that's when you end up with something that people completely see through and it doesn't connect, so... Yeah, that's where the confidence comes in. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, because well, in that sense as well, you know, something that was very striking about Iowa was, you know, you, you know, you were trying all these different things, you know, and it's very, very eclectic album, but there was still that real kind of Parkway heaviness in there, you know. It really, it felt like a tough as nails album still. Um, is that something yeah. that's always going to be? And you know, it's the same with with Atlas before it yeah. and Deep Blue before that, you know. I mean, is that something that's always going to be a part of the Parkway sound? You know, are you guys always going to be keeping things? you know heavy essentially heavy. <laughs> i can i can tell you that the net like the stuff we have got is heavy like that is a constant for us that being said like um i can't like the one thing that's come out of the, doing this like i into what we've been working on now has been the sense of i like we all love doing what we're doing and it is it's almost like stepping through an entire new door into a new chapter which I see it as being so much bigger and having so much more life to it than anything we've done before. So I, I could see us being a heavy band for as long as we can be a heavy band. And then when I'm 60 years old, being some fucking folk band or something, and it's still being Parkway. And by that point in time, we've released 10, 10 albums and people realize that we do whatever the hell we want. And it all just is representative of us. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. At this point in time, heaviness is definitely like, for, for whatever whatever direction we go in when it comes to influence or other sonics or anything like that, the heaviness is still what underpins it. That's definitely the thing. And we, whenever we write, that's, we can't write any other way. <laughs> oh, man. Wanted, so, oh, yeah. amazing. That's so exciting, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so like, yeah, as well, because uh, kind of in that sense as well, I mean, um, it's something I ask quite a lot on the podcast. It's something I particularly wanted to ask you because I feel partway a real beacon for this. And that, you know, it's it kind of like, do you think it's really important to really keep pushing um, your sound and honing it and seeing what you can do with it and seeing how far you can push it with every album? Because, you know, we live in a very sort of saturated instant music world these days so do you think it is really important to kind of uphold that and and kind of really always want to keep exploring your own sound i think so well like i've i can only speak from a uh, from a personal standpoint and the the one thing that we've learned that has been the massive big uh light bulb moment for us was getting to a point where which we never ever thought we were going to get to where we were like you know this thing that we've done and which we've honed which we're afraid to step away from it doesn't like, it doesn't give us what we need as people. It doesn't give us what we need artistically. So what do you do? Do you then phone it in and out of fear of trying to push yourself or do you step back into that unknown that you were in when you were starting a band? And I think as soon as you start trying to phone in anything, like, fair enough, like, some people only want to write one type of music and they'll do that until the band dies and more power to them if that's what they want. But um, as far as, like, heavy music goes for us, yeah, interesting things are uh, variation. That's the thing. I love hearing different sounds and different moods and different elements because humans are complicated things. Like, we're, 
we have com- very complicated psyches and very complicated consciences and very complicated outlooks on the world and everyone's different. And the thing is for, for us and for me, like writing and singing, everything is a representation of who I am. And to, for me to just go, I'm angry all the time. That's me. I'm just, I've got to scream all the time. Doesn't like, I've grown a hell of a lot since we started doing this dance. So there's some things I can't get across simply by just going, a hundred percent scream. Like, so you've got to figure out another way to make that make that work but at the same point in time you gotta like we don't want to start a new band we want to still be parkway and we still want to make music that represents the people in the band it's just those people have grown as well so yeah i think people need to push it you gotta you gotta push it and otherwise you'd stagnate as a person as well and yeah it's just boring <laughs> no one wants to live a boring life surely <laughs> no it's yeah. certainly like, in good to, like in regards to like every other like instant music and all that stuff yeah like I can 100% like that's when I do really think people need to be pushing it um, simply because I think the monetizing thing comes into people's mind like there's such a there's such a, a, a mindset that I think people can get into where something can blow up and you don't even have to be recognized by like a label or some big person in the music industry to explode as an artist and make apparently millions of dollars or whatever. You just got to have a song on YouTube that people download a bunch. So something happens and a sound happens and then people jump onto that sound rather than thinking what's a different sound in front of that. People seem to like to be, I guess, following rather than leading. And as soon as you start following, you're literally just cutting the cookie out over and over again and just diluting. So I think it's better to try and find that next frontier because that's, that's what keeps it interesting for now. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I totally agree. I, I mean, as, as well, you know, uh, talking of, you know, keeping things, you know, really interesting and, and kind of pushing how far you can you can go with stuff. I mean, lyrically as well, you know, I mean, like um, all partway albums have been super interesting, you know, and especially with I, uh, you know, it was, oh, it, was it was, oh, no, absolute pleasure. I mean, like, absolutely. It's a really dark album, but there was a real flicker of hope to it as well. Um, I mean, in terms mm. of, of this album, you know, is this going to be on a similar note or is this going to be something completely different or kind of how far along are you with that with that side of things? things it's pretty damn different <laughs> <laughs> okay to say. like it's um but there's a lot of like it's it's really hard to even kind of start processing at this point in time because there's a lot that's actually going to have to be uh dealt with before this record comes out um and explains to people because there's a lot of stuff that happened with this band um over the last couple of years that is uh, it, like a lot of re- like very personal things have happened with the band, and that's flowed a lot into the music. Um, and it's this is like uh, it's going to be a kind of record where there's things that you hear that you're like, whoa, like that's Parkway sounding like the best Parkway I've ever heard, and there's Parkway sounding like I never thought they would sound like that before. And personally, I think it's it's great and it's completely liberating but um it's yeah it's definitely not the same (laughs) for all the parts that you get like that little the nostalgia hit and you say that's the that's the the pathway of old or whatever you there's some there's a lot of layers in there which uh have never been kind of explored so yeah 
Wow, man, that's, I can't wait to hear it. I mean, I mean, kind of going into to going into twenty eighteen, then you know, a kind of logistical perspective. I mean, how far along are you with the album? Not to kind of pressure too much, but like, is it is it kind of are we gonna <laughs> are we are we gonna be hearing it sort of you know maybe first half of twenty eighteen, or is it something that we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for? Oh, you gonna? I'm just gonna say you're gonna have to wait to even get an announcement on those kind of things. So <laughs> we'll see you there. It's time. Very it's exciting. Like it's coming along. It's coming along very, very well, and it's. I, I'm, I'm super happy with everything that we've, we've put into it thus far, and it's just one of those things where we don't like letting the cat out of the bag until every single nail is hammered down, and there's no like, there's no way that we're going to go. Oh, you know what? We're going to delay the album by month. Someone, someone fucked up, or damn, the cover up wasn't done, or something like that. So. Until all that stuff's nailed down, we don't, we don't tell anyone anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's very understandable, now, man. It makes it even more exciting. Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, going yeah, into the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, going into the new year as well. You know, will we be seeing um, a lot of you? Do you reckon? Or again, is that something that it's going to be very much under wraps until until we nah, know? You're going to you're going to <laughs> like I think the the download announcements are yeah, the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. So we've got that one, but there's other things. So there Ooh. will be other things like. I can tell you the record's going to be out next year. So you know we're going to be back at some point in time for that. And we'll let the download and keep an eye out. There might be some other surprises and stuff. So we'll see how we go. Like, it's it's looking like a very pitchy year. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. So, uh, Tamsin, are you excited? I mean, it sounds like it's going to be, f- like, just brutal. <laughs> like, new stuff, just like, some up in one word, it's just, like, brutal or gnarly. Or some other Australian type word that means heavy. Um, yeah, I mean, just was it? The live shows that they did, like lo- last year, yeah, it was last year. Yeah, the year before. God, yeah. what year are we in? Um, <laughs> yeah, that, like they were ridiculous in themselves. Like they put like stadium production into just like academy venues around the UK, and like everyone I've spoken to that went to those shows were just like, it was just kind of watching like a whole new band, just like be the biggest and best thing they can possibly be and it was just like mind-blowing what they did um so to kind of like i kind of see what he was saying about like doing that gave us such a confidence boost because they like just smashed it and they're like yeah you know what we've you know he said they they've had some troubles over the past year or so some personal stuff going on and despite all of that they're still going into a new record new material like feeling really positive about it Knowing that it's going to be different, but just having that confidence to be like, Parkway Drive fans are still going to love it. It's still us, but just twisting things up a bit. And like, you know, that shows a band that like are confident in what they're doing and enjoy what they're doing still. So Yeah, I mean, that's what I've always loved about Parkway, like you say. I mean, I think they're a band that are very switched on as people. And it always feels like even though they're they're very forward thinking and say I'm very innovative and they always want to try new things, they've always got that in their in their minds as well. And they always stay very true to, to what they've always been as well. Uh, and, you know, like you say, I mean, I think, you know, I think while this this album, a bit like Aya before it, is, is going to try a lot of new exciting things, I think it's going to be hard as nails as well. Jack? Yeah, um, I think it's going to be very interesting because I'm in myself, I'm an OG Parkway lad, like Killing With A Smile is, and um, Horizon is sort of the best metalcore that's ever come out of the genre. Um, so I like it when they're like down and dirty, and but it took me a while to really get my head around Aya, like it was a big culture shock for me, and 
But the thing is, I understand what they were doing, even though it wasn't immediate to me. Like, the fact that their scope is so much further than just uh, circle pits is something to be applauded. Um, and I just love how Winston, like he said, it's when people hear it, is they go say, "This is the best Parkway we've ever heard," but it's also Parkway that you've never heard before. Mm. Like it's, it's going to be every element of what's made them such a force within heavy music, and um, and also just the fact that he said, you know, like just because it's like riffs and breakdowns and stuff, it still takes a long time. Like it's not like they're doing cookie cutter like. Everything they're just trying to get someone to windmill. Like riffs are an intricate. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I can't play them, um, <laughs> but like to to show that even when they're doing something which people think is very bog standard, it's actually they're pushing that boundary as well of what people perceive metalcore to be. It's really fascinating, and I mean, they are a band who like it's. You always think of it, the the bands which come to people's minds when think of heavy music, and they are one of those. Like I think yeah. sometimes you don't realize how big they are and how much of an influence they've had on the scene over the past like thirteen years, and for them to still go in and still pushing themselves and still trying out these new things and trying to like redefine what their name is is it's just something. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like Tamsin was saying as well about the uh, the shows. I mean, I think the the Brixton show last year was probably my show of the year last year, and um, the fact that that's about to be condensed into into a record is um, or has already been condensed to a record is um, very very exciting. And like you say, Jack, I mean, like it's it's it, it's right in riffs and like Winston said, it's it's so intricate and interesting what they do. It's not just like you say, just to get people to windmill. Um, and I think that that leave so many doors that can be open what they can do and they've already kind of tried out exotic instruments and that sort of thing and to to kind of see them push that even further on this new record is uh one of the most exciting things that this year's going to produce i think so yeah it's i mean it's it's this full scope of like fans because like on Aya there was moments of that which like your dad who grew up on maiden and zz top and like aerosmith could get down to like I remember playing my dad like early bring me and him saying this is nonsense like <laughs> you you're on, what you're on about but like the fact that they've got that scope and like they're they are trying those new things and trying to bridge the audience even further like Askin did it with uh, from death to destiny like oh, yeah. where, where metalcore and post hardcore has turned the back like classic rock fans came into the fold and it just grew the name even further. So it did it so well. Yeah. yeah, and I feel as though it's... When bands are experimenting in this way, but doing it with the care and consideration, not just going, let's just throw that in just because, like, we've been listening to, I don't know, Pearl Jam or something. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it, it just, it makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, oh, man, I've just realised we're getting Bring Me Architects and Partway records this year. That's so exciting. Um, it's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It's yeah. going to be a ridiculous year for music. <laughs> that's like, so good. That's that trio, man. Like three bands who started from the bottom of the bog standard and have just become world beaters with their own unique sound and like unique characteristics it's mad that is like mad. It, it's mad um 
A shout out breakdowns as well. <laughs> I knew I was coming. <laughs> um, yeah, huge shout out to Winston. We'll definitely get him back on the podcast uh, when we hear music. Um, but yeah, so exciting. Huge shout out to him. Awesome stuff. So of course, brand new issue, Palais Royale, the most exciting band of 2018. First ever magazine cover is on sale now. Shop.rocksound.tv. So much going on with it. You can head there right now. Shop.rocksound.tv to pick up the Clockwork Bundle featuring a limited edition cover, hand signed poster by the whole band, and an art print and giant wall poster designed by Emerson Barrett himself. Or the Soldier Bundle featuring a limited edition cover, deluxe photo cards of each band member, a premium screen printed patch, enamel pin badge, and a giant wall poster. Or the big insane bundle, the Royal Council Bundle, which includes all of those things, including both covers. If you remember the Royal Council, that is an essential purchase and all come with free worldwide shipping. So yeah, it's been an amazing way to start 2018. Uh, been a little what bit rusty, a way to but kick off 2018. Yeah, <sighs> it's gonna be all right, isn't it? We will see you guys next week, and uh, yeah, love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.